Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Mark, and I am very glad to be here today with all of you, which uh, I call the best day ever. Yeah, I call it the best day ever because it is Baptism Sunday. And I love baptisms, and baptisms, I think, are so important for a follower of Christ and so important for the church uh, because we have the opportunity to sit down and and hear people's gospel stories about uh, how the good news was introduced into their life, who invited them to to hear more about the love of God, that uh, one thing that I have realized over the past, you know, 10, 15 years of just being a pastor and being able to baptize and hear people's story, that that the preconceived notion of the way that I f- uh, thought people came to Christ has been just completely uh, blown out of the water. I used to think that everybody came to Christ uh, the same way, the way I did, right? And uh, And you probably think, well, everybody comes to Christ, you know, the way I did. But the reality is that, that our God is so good, our God is so great, that, that, uh, and His love for us is so deep that, that He meets people in all sorts of dis- different circumstances, and that, that no story is, is the same. They all are unique, and, and some uh, are extremely different from different experiences. I've, I've uh, listened to these kind of these gospel love stories where, where I'm like, wow, you know, just our God is so big. I, I would never even, could never fathom uh, somebody coming to Christ that way. And, and some are, are, you know, a little bit more traditional, but they always have something unique. One of the things that I really love about uh, sitting down and hearing these gospel stories is because uh, you're, you're hearing about a story that has been uniquely entrusted to somebody and uh, their their experience, and they're able to to illuminate a part of the gospel of how God works in a in a in a way that that I could never do because it's not my gospel experience, it's not my love story with 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 God, and and I believe with all my heart, with all of my soul, that that these days are so special because. Somebody has been entrusted with their gospel story, and they are giving it. And I believe that somebody here today is going to hear the gospel in their own heart language through the gospel stories that are, that that are given. That 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 I could never in a, in, in, be able to speak into their heart language, and I've seen it happen again and again and again, and it's unique, and it's beautiful, and it's exciting every single time it happens. Now, it's actually really exciting that we're having Baptism Sunday the the week after Easter because the symbolism between Easter and the symbolism, or, or, or just what happened in Easter and the symbolism of baptism are so intertwined. And if you remember last week, we were talking about Jesus talking to his disciples, and, and as recorded in, in John chapter 12, he goes to his disciples and he says this, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. 
but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple, listen to this, if you want to be Jesus' disciple, if you want to be a follower of Christ, anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now, we talked about this last week, but I think it's really important, so I want to circle back around and just touch on this point again. Remember, Jesus said this right before he went to the cross. You got to follow me. You got to go where I'm going. That, that, that Jesus said, you know what? You got to follow me. And the disciples saw him beaten, and they saw him nailed to the cross, and they saw him pierced with that spear. They saw the body of Jesus taken down and wrapped in linen and then put into a tomb. Think about how terrifying this statement must have been about this whole thing. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, and then he's talking about, if you want to be my servant, you got to follow me. I don't know, Jesus. That cross looks pretty painful. And can you imagine him sitting or, or nailed to the cross and they're thinking about this and then also thinking about the other Jesus statement of, hey, you want to be my followers? You know what you need to do? You need to pick up your cross daily and follow me. Scary, terrifying stuff. And I don't think it was until after the resurrection where our risen Lord appeared to his disciples, to his friends, to his followers. And he said, you know what? I told you guys, you know what? You have to first die and follow me into the tomb, and, and then, but you got to follow me back out, and they're just sitting there, and he says this simple but profound kind of commissioning. He says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go out and make other disciples of me, and I want to have you baptize them, and we'll get into that, what that all entails, and I want you to teach them about what it means to be a follower of me. And I want you also to remember that I am going to be with you for eternity. And here with this commissioning after seeing the, the crucified and then buried and then the resurrected Lord, that they're able to start putting this pick up your cross daily, and, and if you die, you can't follow me unless you die out of this world. And they're starting to be able to put all of this into context. And it wasn't until after that that they were able to realize what Jesus was talking about and talking about this, this 
grand, symbolic, kind of spiritual rite of passage that we find in baptism. If you remember, we just went through the book of Colossians. Remember that? In chapter 2, Paul writes, hey, for you were baptized with Christ when you were baptized. And with Him you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. This idea that the way we follow Christ into the tomb is to spiritually die to ourselves and that, that we illustrate that by baptism. Actually, the Paul, Apostle Paul even brings a clearer, uh, more concise link to this in Romans chapter 6. Listen to this. Have you forgotten that when we became Christians and were baptized to become with Jesus Christ, we died with Him? That there's this idea of becoming a follower of Christ, that we followed Him into the tomb by being baptized. He says, for when... For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. So this, this understanding when, when people are baptized, that what is happening is when they go under the water, they're actually entering the tomb. And they're dying to themselves. Then Paul goes on to say, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we now have new lives. And this idea that you're dying to yourself in front of God and your community and saying, this is the time, this is the place where I am entering the tomb and I'm dying to myself and I am being resurrected as Jesus was resurrected, as a new creation, fulfilling what He commissioned, what our resurrected Lord commissioned us to do. And that was what? To go and make disciples, to teach them and baptize them. Now, we're going to be baptizing uh, uh, five people today, just one in, in this worship gathering. But I believe that in Scripture there is an undeniable link between following Jesus and being baptized. In fact, I think that that baptism is, is kind, of the, kind of the karate kid of spirituality, right? Remember the karate kid, the movie in the 80s? Yeah? You guys, not the, not the, the lame like, sequels. I'm talking about the karate kid. I'm talking about you went and saw it three or four times and then, you know, you uh, would stop by the gas station and get yourself some, uh, the, the karate, whatever perfume. What was that stuff called? High karate. That's what I'm talking about. You put your quarter in push the button, get the high karate, and going and seeing the karate kid. You are ready. Maybe even had something to tie around your head. It's funny because it's true. I know. I was in line there too. But 
The cool thing about the Karate Kid, Karate Kid getting the, his, his, his rear handed to him at school all the time, and, and he finally sees, you know, the karate master, you know, do all this stuff. He's like, I want to become the Karate Kid. And the guy says, what's the first thing he says? You want to become the Karate Kid? What do you got to do? Wax on, wax off. <laughs> wax on, wax off. Day one, wax on. Dude, I can't take this wax on, wax off anymore. Oh, that's good. Paint the house. <laughs> He's got paint all over him, right? I can't paint the house anymore. It's good. Paint the fence. And then finally, what was his name? Ralph Yakamoto or, or Yamaka Toto? <laughs> no, not the master, the... Marciano, yeah. What's he doing now? Is he here, Ralph? <laughs> Finally, he's like, dude, Mr. Miyagi, I, I, can't, I can't take it anymore. No more, you know, wax on, wax off, paint the house, paint the fence and everything. And he says, paint the house. He's like, what? And he's like, do the motion. He goes like this. He goes, no excuse me, paint the house, right? And then he goes, whoo! And old Ralph goes, and he goes, wax the car! And like, he's doing all this kind of stuff, he's blocking it, he's like, dude, I know karate! I'm the karate kid! Spray some high karate on me! You know, it's a knock out your opponent, right? That's like my, my son, he puts like, that axe spray on him. I'm like, what are you trying to knock your, you know, the girl out? You know, I just like, whew, holy high karate Batman. Uh, so, so what had to happen with old Ralph to become the karate kid? He had to do things that, that didn't seem to connect with where he thought he wanted to go, but he had to submit to Miyagi. He says, you want to become the karate kid? You got to wax on and wax off. You got to paint the house. You got to paint the fence. Those of us who want to become followers of Christ, I believe that baptism for a lot of us is the spiritual equivalent of waxing on and waxing off. I was trying to think about this today. I think there was like a song saying like Jesus drove a Chevy or would have drove a Chevy. You guys hear that song? Yeah, something like, something like that. This is it. I mean, this is it. This is waxing Jesus' Chevy and making it shine by just saying, you know, I know there's a movement and people are like, I don't, I don't, I don't, understand baptism. I don't, I don't understand what that has to do with following Christ. You want to, I'm going to tell you a secret. This is what it has to do with following Christ. Christ asked you to do it. He asked, asked you to wax his Chevy. You want to be a follower of Christ? You want to be the karate kid? It's not how you smell. It's what you do. 
And what do followers of Christ do? This is not rocket science. They follow. And if your master says wax, you wax. Our master didn't say wax is Chevy paint the house or paint the fence. Our master said be baptized. Our master said, you know what I want you to do as a follower of me? I want you to die to yourself. And not that going in the water makes you die yourself, but this is what I'm asking you to do. And you may not understand how being baptized has anything to do with being a fully devoted follower of Christ. But that's not for you to know. That's not for you to understand. What I need you to do is to submit yourself to me. And I, I am asking you to do this not for my benefit, but for your benefit. So, I believe that it is disingenuous for a follower of Christ or a supposed crawler to say, say, I follow Christ while challenging the very first instruction he gives you. Jesus, you are the Lord and Savior of my life. Oh, great. I want you to be baptized. and Yeah, but I don't want to do that. Tell me something bigger. Surely you want me to go preach in front of 10,000 people or save the orphans or everything. No, I want you to be baptized. Yeah, but that's so insignificant and little and, and stupid. It doesn't really change anything. It doesn't mean anything. It's surely you want me to plant a church or, or, or go save, you know, the, the, the pagans in Wasissa or something. Surely you want me to go share the gospel with Ralph Macchiato or Otto. Yeah, him. He says, perhaps. But if, before you can go down that journey, you need to take the first step. In Lord, in following, and the first step is, look, I ask you in front of your community to die to yourself and be risen in a new, as a new creation. And in Acts, we see this happen repeatedly. In Acts chapter 8, verse 12, but now the people believe Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. What this means is those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. This is a symbol, an ancient symbol of our cleansing. This is central and holy and sacred in the church. Isaiah talks about, about this idea of us being stained. And in Isaiah chapter uh, 18, where he records what the Lord says, he says, come now, let us argue this out, says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can remove it. 
I can make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you are stained as red as the crimson tide. No, not the tide. I can make you as white as wool. John picked up on this in 1 John. Says God has given us a special symbol and meaning in baptism. This is a gift from God. And that some of us say, you know what, God, I don't want your gift. I, I don't know how to make it any more black and white than that. God has given us a special symbolism and meaning in baptism that shows us that He is the one doing the work and He is the one who desires and is able to wash us from any stain. Followers of Christ, Christians, brothers and sisters, who Christ went to the cross he was beaten. He was pierced. He was wrapped in linen. He was put in the tomb, and he raised again, conquering death. And he has given us a special gift, given you a special gift, given the church a special gift, the symbolism of baptism. Are you really, as a follower of Christ, as a disciple telling me that you are going to return that gift and hope to get store credit or, 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 or what? What? Where is the... And I, don't, I would love to sit down with you and, and you explain this to me. Christ is beaten and put on the cross, and pierced, and died. And he asks, I just want you to identify yourself with me by getting baptized. Nah, I don't see the importance, Jesus. I'm not condemning you. I'm not, I'm not any of that. I just don't get it. If Jesus is truly your Lord and Savior. I just don't get it. But you don't have to please me. It's between you and God. Acts chapter 22. Another baptism story. And now why delay Get up and be baptized and have your sins washed away, calling on the name of the Lord. Again, this is a special gift that shows off the power of God. And that's what we're meant to do as followers of Christ, right? Illuminate God's greatness to be ambassadors of Him. And then finally, in, in Acts chapter 8, one of my favorite stories in, in Acts, baptism story, the, uh, uh, they're going along, and, and this uh, eunuch, we don't know his name, so we'll call him eunuch, is going along, and, and he, he's reading some scripture and stuff, and, and they're like, hey, you know, what do you think of that scripture? And he's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it means and everything, and they explain it 
to him. And then he gets it, and he's all like, whoa, Jesus, and, you know, and all this, and, and, and oh, how exciting. And then he's all like, dude, look, we're traveling along, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And they're like, there's no reason. This guy went from not knowing anything to faith in Christ. And they didn't say, well, how's your doctrine? Are you a five-point Calvinist or a seven-point Calvinist? Do you believe you are predestined to be driving by this water today? Or do you think you drove by this water on your free will? Are you an Arminian? You know, are, are, do you believe in the, you know, you know this or, or that? Do you speak tongues? Do you not speak tongues? Do you like brown carpet or blue carpet? No, they didn't ask any of that. I'm sure eunuch had terrible doctrine in, in theology. He didn't know anything, but what he knew one thing. He knew two things, sorry. He knew that Jesus Christ was his Lord and Savior and that he called him as his first act of obedience to be baptized. And he also knew that there was some water there. So we have somebody today who knows at least that, probably more, that he knows that Jesus Christ is his Lord and Savior. And he also knows that there is some water here.